want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. He's my dad, James Gutman. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on my pod. I'm dad. It's Friday. It is uh, it's July. It's July second. How crazy is that? It's July second, 2021. Thank you for tuning in uh, for a podcast that I kind of wish I had done a little bit earlier. I've been trying to do these uh, kind of the night before, posting them early in the morning on Friday. Uh, unfortunately, I got what I believe to be maybe food poisoning. Um, I had gone to a restaurant that I hadn't gone to in quite some time. It rhymes with um, with dead lobster. Kind of apropos a little bit because by the end of it, I was dying. And on top of it, too, I also get kind of allergies around this time of the year. So it feels like both of them happen at the exact same time. Last night was not fun. So it is the morning. I am here. I am recording it. Thank you guys for taking the time to tune in. I appreciate it. Whether you found me on HiPodOnDad.com, where all of our archives are, you found it on Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, Amazon, wherever you happen to be, thank you. Like, subscribe, jump around, do all the good stuff that you're supposed to do when you're on those sites, and I will definitely appreciate it. Also, big news, in case you haven't been following, this week I opened High Shop I'm Dad. That's right, High Shop Omdad.com. It is uh, the branding, <laughs> branding up to wazoo. Uh, t-shirts and there's towels and mugs and just fun stuff all around. Not only do I have the logo of the the site High Blog I'm Dad, I have the logo of High Pod I'm Dad, but also some fun things too. I have one that says IDK check the IEP, which I think any parent with child on the spectrum in school will get. I got things about you know don't drink this. I think my kid backwashed in it which is my favorite that goes on a cup. I actually got to buy two of them. My daughter actually asked me to buy that. That's how I knew that I had done pretty well with it. She goes, can you buy me some merch? I go, merch? From where? Your blog? I'm like, from my blog? Absolutely, I'll buy you some merch from my blog. So fun stuff. Check it out. HiShopOmDad.com. I'm trying to do some good ideas that I think you guys will like. If you have any ideas that aren't on there, things that you think might be fun, please let me know. Always a work in progress, as is life. So very exciting to put that out there for you guys. Yeah, man. Oof. Last night was rough. I don't know if I'm still sounding it now today. I might be. So I apologize if I'm a little <sighs> down <laughs> sounding. I'm not down. I'm in a good mood. It's been an upbeat week. It's been a really good few days. And it's one of those things where I'm learning, and I've talked about this before in the on the podcast, I've learned to accept that. You know, I think sometimes in life, especially with me, whenever something really good would happen, I was always apprehensive. I was always waiting for that that other side of the coin, the other shoe to drop, as they say. Kind of that that idea of getting a wish from a genie, wishing for it, and then waiting for the the terrible consequences that come with that wish. So I've I've been dealing with that pretty much my whole life. And some of that stuff, you know, it comes from inside your head, but a lot of that stuff is also, I don't know, life experiences. 
whether you have people who don't celebrate your good moments or whether you're surrounded by kind of toxic environments or whether you've actually gone through those situations where good things happen and then they're not good, it could definitely color how you view the world. And it did that with me. So I'm trying now to really be accepting of when these these good things happen. So it's been good, been happy, not going to question it. Um, yeah, good all around. So I am in a good mood. Things have been nice. Uh, nothing to really complain about. Even yesterday, before the whole sick beyond my brain could handle it type of situation. I I had a good day, man. I was able to to bring the kids out. You know, my son is doing summer school. Uh, as you guys know, if you're new to the show, he's not verbally has autism. He goes to school during the summer. So I kind of feel bad for the kid. Bring him in there in the morning. He goes in there at 9 a.m. Uh, his internal clock, nobody told him about it. So he's still up at five o'clock in the morning, 4.30 this morning, banging on his gate, trying to get my attention. I kind of battle him to go back to sleep, keep away from the idea of giving him an iPad or giving him too much TV too early so that he's not exhausted. Uh, it becomes a struggle. I, in turn, end up being a little bit exhausted. But he's so he's so happy. And that's something about, about my kid that has always brought me joy. And I don't mean to imply that he's always happy. Because I think sometimes that's a misconception that we get with, you know, children who have special needs or children who are on the spectrum, that they're always something. You know, they go, I love kids like like your son. He's always happy. He's not always happy. There's definitely some times where he's pissed off, where he's angry, he doesn't get what he wants. I can't understand sometimes what he wants. That's getting better as the years go by. But there's definitely been times in our life for a boy who's nonverbal to understand what he wants. Sometimes we have miscommunication and there's nothing more frustrating for me or for him than we have those moments of miscommunication and he'll get angry and he'll you know, have a little tantrum. He used to have tantrums and kind of drop to the floor or he would swing his arms in the air and people take that a certain way. But He's happy a lot of the time, and he's happy a lot of the time in the face of things that would frustrate me. Like, let's say there's an issue, an adult issue. Let's say I don't, um, you know, I have to go to the store and it's going to close, or I have to pick something up at the supermarket and I don't have time to go. Things like that would annoy any adult, and they get really frustrated. You know, worries about money, worries about relationships, worries about different things. He doesn't have that. My son will get upset about, you know, I don't give him the cookie that he wants or he can't have his iPad or he's tired and he can't get, you know, we're not near home to go to sleep. Those are the things that will upset him. So since our upset things don't really coincide, there's no one better to have around than him in my lowest moments because he's just like, I'll be upset. I'll be sitting there angry about something and he'll be next to me and he'll just start giggling and he'll take his hand and move my head towards his, like to move my face to face him and just laugh. And then I laugh. Then I'm like, thank God for you, buddy. And I give him a hug and it's, it's all happy. So he's always been kind of my, my happy guy. And he's been happy with school too. He likes school, which is always a good sign. I know people, if you have a child who's, who's like Lucas, maybe nonverbal, maybe younger, you're sending him off to school. I know how frustrating and how, um, stressful that could be for any parent, especially, and I wrote about this years ago, sending him on the school bus for the first time, which was a huge deal for me. Couldn't fathom it. Didn't know if he was going to hate it. Worried so much that he was going to hate it. He ended up going on it. He loved it. Uh, but sending a kid to school is hard when they're nonverbal. And I know people who have nonverbal children who purposely either don't send their kids to school or they, you know, they fret about it all day long because your kid comes home. You can't be like, how is school? Is so-and-so good to you? Was your teacher nice? Were your aides nice? You can't ask those questions because you don't get answers. You kind of go off of their word what they write in the book. So with him, what I go by is how excited he is when it's time to go to school. And he is always excited to go to school. 
And that makes me so happy. And I also hear from people too, you know, the more involved you are in the community, the more involved you are in your child's school system. And this is a good advice for anybody who has a child who is going to school, who is on the spectrum, perhaps is nonverbal. The more people you know, the more information you're going to get. I've heard from people who aren't in his classroom, who know the teachers in his classroom. I talked to his teacher, she loves him, or I talked to somebody who knows him, or you go up to the school and like administrators come out and they're like, hi, Lucas. And I'm like, oh, you, you know this lady? I used to be his nurse. People I've never interacted with who are so nice to him and his face lights up when he sees them. So the more people that you know and the more involved you are, the more you get to hear the stories, they're going to fill you with positivity and make you feel better about what's happening. And on the flip side, things that might concern you. Maybe you love his teacher, but maybe there's some weirdos that work in the school that you don't know about. The more active you are, the more you get to know the weirdos. And trust me, there's a lot of weirdos. There's some really weird <laughs> people, not necessarily working in the school, but I think even not, not even just with Lucas, but in general, I think any parenting group, it's like any group in the world, man. I was in, you know, I went to high school, I went to college, um, and I was surrounded by a lot of people. And in college, didn't graduate from college, but I was part of a fraternity. I was part of Kappa Sigma. And when I got in, there were 38 active brothers on campus, fraternity brothers. And don't overthink what a fraternity is. It's really, it's a club in college. Everybody hangs out. Everybody has fun. There's certain things they do. There's charity work and there's fundraising and things like that. So there are good things that we put into the community. But for the most part, it is just, it's a, it's a club in college that's never supposed to end. I'm supposed to be, you know, now in my 40s, I'm supposed to be able to call these guys and have favors be done for me. I don't really call in a lot of favors, but I do interact with people still. And it's good to find out how they're doing and things like that mean a lot. In fact, I always, I was telling somebody the other day, one of our rush videos, like when you're trying to get people to join your fraternity, you play a video and you kind of entice them in like, hey, join our thing. And we would always talk about our famous alumni. And there was one video and it was Sam Donaldson, the, the TV reporter interviewing Bob Dole. Now, Bob Dole ran for president in 96. I got into this fraternity in 96. It was very topical. But there was a video of Sam Donaldson interviewing Bob Dole, and Sam Donaldson wishes him luck at the end of the interview, and Bob Dole goes, uh, us Kappa Sigma's got to stick together. And you're like, that's so cool. So it kind of lasts for a long time. So one of those things that you hold on to. That said, there were 38 when I got in, hundreds of them that were alumni from, from the frat. So needless to say, we had some interesting fellas in the group. Any group big enough to include many different walks of life are going to have their group of strange people. And that is the same for my daughter's friend's parents. If you're listening, hi. If you're thinking, if you're listening to this right now and you're one of my daughter's friend's parents and you're thinking, is he talking about me? If you're thinking I might be talking about you, I might be talking about you. If you are one of my son's friend's parents, um, I probably am talking about you. <laughs> I know a lot of you guys, some of them are great. Some of them are a little, um, hmm. But for the most part, uh, I try to like everybody. I try to get along with everybody. But you get to know people. And it's important to get to know people. It, it gives you an idea of what's happening in your kid's life. And that's, to me, the most important thing. You know, it's scary. It's scary to send a nonverbal child into the world. And it's scary to have them interacting with adults and with kids that you don't know. And there's really nothing you can do. You can't go there with them. And you hear the stories about the parents who put the tape recorder in the bag and catch this and hear that. Um, I've never done that because I never needed to do that. I've never not trusted his teachers. I've never had that issue. And I think if that becomes an issue, you reach out to the school, you reach out to the administration, 
I will say this too, which is, I don't, I know this stands in the face of a lot of different people, but I have had the best relationship with the administration at my son's school. They have been fantastic. We have these meetings and they're like love fests. These, uh, they're called CSE meetings. We're at the end of the year, almost every year we sit down and we evaluate what he's going to be doing the next year and what he needs and what services. And they've never given me a hard time ever about anything I've ever asked, which is kind of a double-edged sword. There's a part of me who thinks, you know, this is great. I don't have to fight because I hear from people like, I have to fight for this. I have to fight for that. But then there's also the part of you that goes, uh, oh, why aren't they fighting? Does he need a lot of stuff? But regardless, if he needs a lot of stuff, great. Get him the stuff he needs. They've been helpful. They've been positive. And I know people too who have had to deal with issues at school and they reach out to the administrators and things get taken care of. So there are all these recourses that you can go to in order to make sure your child is okay. And that is so important. And it's something that I wish somebody would have told me especially early on, especially right when he first started going to school, because I think that was my biggest fear. How am I going to do this? How am I going to send him to a place all day where I'm not there? I can't ask him how it was. He can't tell me stories. He just has to come home and I have to like deal with it. And you would watch horror stories on TV about, you know, kids who are mistreated, parents who notice things, like terrible documentaries on TV. And you always worry and you're always kind of afraid of it. I will tell you, I had to do a leap of faith, which is was hard for me. And I'm learning now as I'm, as I'm growing older. And I've learned certain things in terms of the world around us, right? The world around us is dangerous. I'm with you. Totally get that. I think a lot of people out there are pretty messed up. That said, the majority of people don't want to do harm to you for no reason, right? The majority of drivers on the road don't want to hit you. They don't. I remember when I first started driving, I'd be all worried. I'm maneuvering my, hey, what are you doing? And I kind of felt like everybody wanted to like smash into my car until I got older. And I go, that doesn't make any sense. Why would everybody want to smash into my car? <laughs> like they have their own car. They don't want to wreck it. And on top of it, if they were like that, wouldn't they just be smashing into everybody all day long? Like it doesn't make any sense. So I got through that. Same thing with school. These are people who go to school and they, they, they get their degrees and they get their, you know, their certificates and all this other stuff so they could work with children like my son. So the vast majority of them want to be positive influences. They're doing it for a positive reason. Are you going to run into dipsticks here and there? People who are rude, people who don't get your kid, people who don't understand things? Absolutely. Everybody is everybody. But by and large, people, in my opinion, are good, or at least they want to be good. Giving them the benefit of the doubt not only allows your child to have a better relationship with these people who aren't going to be, you know, combative with them or upset with them or anything like that, but it allows you to have a better relationship. So you can get more information. You can learn more things about your kid and you could work together. I work with his teachers on everything. They come back to me. He's doing this in school and he's doing that. And today we worked on this and today we worked on that. And then we come home and we do it. I've talked about the T-ball, the T-ball thing that he loved T-ball at school. I never would have guessed that. Never would have guessed it. They told me at school that he loved it and we came home and we played it. I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't interacting with them, if I was ignoring their notes, if I was ignoring their requests, if they just wrote me off as a dad who didn't care, but they don't. And that is on me. And I think that's the most important thing. So if you have a child, you're sending your child maybe to summer school, maybe for the first time in September, if you're preparing yourself for it, don't worry. The biggest piece of advice though, be involved and be as involved as you can possibly be. It will be It'll make a world of difference. You have no idea. So I'm very happy about that. I'm happy that he loves going to school. It's, uh, it's very helpful. Let's talk about the blog. As I said before, I do this blog twice a week, Monday, Wednesday, high blog, omdad.com. This week I did it again. Uh, I did two new posts starting on Monday. 
I wrote one called, I Don't Always Need to Have Teachable Autism Moments. And this is a true story. And I only say this because sometimes people ask, but every story I ever write on the blog is a true story. If I say it's true, it's true. Sometimes I'll change a name as I did on Monday. Sometimes I'll change a situation as I didn't do uh, in terms of I'll say something happened in college when it happened in high school. I'll say something happened, you know, when he was 10, when he was five, things like that. I'll, I'll move around a little bit. But for the most part, every single thing I write about, every narrative is true. There's no reason not to. I have enough world experience coming through between both of my kids that I'm able to share that with you. So the story I wrote about on Monday was totally true. And what had happened was, give you guys a quick version. It was my daughter's first birthday since the whole, you know, separation, move out of the house, divorce thing was happening. We were over here at my house, me and Lucas, and she was going to be taking off for her birthday with her friends, 13 years old, from my ex-wife's house. And Lucas and I had to be ready to go. And we hung out for a while and we're ready. And it was one of those days where I knew we had a lot going on. We we're going to have a sleepover here at the house at night. There was going to be all these middle school girls in there. I was mentally preparing myself for it. One of those days where like this kind of the calm before the storm and you know that. So he and I were just like hanging out, waiting for the time to come to leave. And it came time to leave. And with him, sometimes we leave and he's out the door and sometimes he's not out the door. And this was one of those days where he wasn't out the door where, you know, I put his shoes on and then I leave the room for a minute and he takes his shoes off. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? We got to go. So we got ready to go. We go outside and he had walked into my neighbor's driveway with his iPad, not paying attention. My neighbor was nice to me, one of the only ones I met, but she kind of was intimidating a little bit. Like she had a bit of an intimidating demeanor about her. I, she was nice, very nice person, but definitely I felt like I don't want to get on her bad side. So we come out and he starts walking towards her car and I see him and I grab him from the collar. I'm like, what are you doing? Get back here. And I pull him back. And then I see that she's outside and she's looking at us. I'm like, oh, hey, hey, Susan. And she's like, Hello. And then she looks down at him. She goes, hello. And I go, um, like, say hi, Lucas. And he didn't want to do anything. He was on his iPad. He was giggling. He was spinning in place. He gets really into this thing. He goes, say hello. And he does this thing where he takes his hands. And it's almost like the least he could do. And he does like a shadow puppet or, uh, you know, when somebody says something, you take your hands and you go, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of like flap your, your hand as if it's a mouth. That's how he says hello when he doesn't give a damn. So he's like, mm, like that. And I stopped for a second and I could tell that she was like, hmm, like confused about what was happening. And I thought, well, I could explain this and I can, I can give the whole rundown and I can, you know, he's on you know, autism and nonverbal and all these different things, but we had to go, you know, and I didn't really, I don't know. I didn't have time for a long lesson or anything. So I went, all right. Yeah, that's a hello. All right. Get in the car, buddy. Take care, Susan. And we got in the car, buckled him in. And as we pulled away, I could see her kind of confused and looking back at my car, not knowing what was happening as her as her face got smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror. And that was one of those moments. And that's what I wrote about on Monday. Not everything has to be a teachable autism moment. Not every interaction has to be an explanation. I don't keep his autism from people out of fear or out of embarrassment or out of confusion like I used to. I had written about this years ago where there was a time where, you know, you go to the supermarket and the checkout girl would be like, hi there. And I would look at him and I would wait to see if maybe he would say hello back. I'm like, maybe this is the moment. Maybe that's all he needed was a checkout girl to say hello and he'll say hello back. And I waited on it. And I wouldn't say anything. And people would say things like, oh, maybe he's tired and just kind of go with it. You're like, yeah, he's tired. But then the day that came that I could say out loud, oh, he has autism. It was great. It feels fantastic. You're able to say it. 
not embarrassed by it. I've never really was embarrassed by it, but I guess there was a part of me that felt like if I said it out loud, it became true and I didn't want to do that. I don't know how to put it, but there was definitely times in my life where I struggled with his diagnosis and what we were going to do going forward and waiting for that moment, that aha eureka moment where he was going to be like, I can talk this whole time and just waiting for it to happen. We're past that. We don't do that anymore. So that wasn't why I didn't tell Susan. I didn't tell her because I was in a hurry. And it's not, although I'm not embarrassed by it, although I'll totally tell her about it if we had time for it, it's not my responsibility to always have to do that. And it takes a lot to be able to say that because I think a lot of people feel that way. They feel like either they ignore it or they have to tell people about it. And in this case, we'll talk about it if I see you again, but it really wasn't that important. And that's one of the benefits of autism awareness that people ask about. People go, what's the big deal about autism awareness? This, this is the big deal about autism awareness. I don't know who Susan's family is. She might not have anybody with autism in it. She might not know anybody with autism, but she knows autism exists because, I don't know, there's these campaigns for it. So hopefully she knows enough to think, oh, he must have autism. I guess they'll tell me about it another time. He wasn't just being rude, you know? So knock on wood, hopefully that's the case. But yeah, that was one of those times where I felt like I don't have to, I don't have to sit down and have a powwow with this lady. She knows, she'll know. And if she doesn't know, she'll figure it out next time. We're good. She'll tell somebody the story and then they go, oh, he has autism. So that's it. So hopefully, again, if you're one of those parents new to the whole process, new to autism, new to nonverbal, um, you know, don't ever be embarrassed by it, but don't ever feel like you have to go into this long teachable explanation when you don't want to or you don't have time or your kid's in a hurry. Uh, it's not on you. You don't have to feel guilty about it. You don't have to feel like you're hiding anything. It's got to feel like you're a person and you got stuff to do. And I was a person. And that day I had stuff to do. So I wanted to tell you guys that story. Hopefully you could take something out of that uh, and bring it with you. Wednesday was a little different. Wednesday was kind of a positivity thing called I Sing the Loudest When I'm Alone. Uh, and this was symbolic in many ways, but it definitely worked within the confines of singing itself. I sing in my house when it's just me. I listen to Spotify all the time, much more than I ever thought I would. And I'm, I'm walking around, I'm playing music. If a song gets stuck in my head, I tell Spotify to play it. It plays it immediately. And I belt out the hits, man, when I'm by myself, especially in this house. I have never, here's a weird one, I never lived alone in my life. This is the first time where I've had my own place. And for half the week, it's just me, just me haunting the halls. You know, I, I, I sing and it, it echoes, I could do it loud. I remember the first time I realized it because being a parent, like you don't want to curse, you know, too loud. I remember one day I was like, something happened. And I cursed under my breath, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm alone. I, oh, and I yelled it. I'm like, good, all right, I could do that. That's pretty cool. Uh, so you're able to do that. You're able to echo your voice if you want to. You're able to just let it all out. So I do. I sing when I'm by myself. And I looked at the reason why I feel the need to sing by myself. And I think it's because I always enjoyed singing. I think everybody enjoys singing. People sing in the shower. They sing to themselves. They sing along with their favorite song. But growing up, we're kind of told all the time that you can't sing. And I think it's an easy go-to. For a lot of people, they want to, they want to kind of be, I don't know, not rude, but kind of that rank out type of mentality, that insult comic. Everybody wants to be a bit of an insulter. And it's not nice to really insult somebody's looks or weight. People do that stuff too. But when it comes to singing, I think people feel like it's fair game and people will insult good singers because singing is so subjective that you'll have somebody come out there and you could pick that up from watching American Idol auditions or The Voice or whatever it is you watch where somebody will come out and they'll start singing and you don't know if it's good or not until the judges react or until the audience reacts because it's so up in the air. You know, you'll have somebody come out and sing falsetto 
And you'd be like, this is terrible. And everybody's like, that's amazing. And you're like, oh, they like it. All right, I get it. Different strokes, different folks, all that. So growing up, I sang and I had people criticize it. You know, you can't sing, don't sing. And you keep singing, but every time you sing, it's a little less enthusiasm the next time. And that's something that I've allowed to affect me. I know a lot of people have allowed it to affect them. And I want it to be symbolic in this article where we allow the words of other people to a little by little cut into us and stop us from doing the things that we love and stop us from celebrating the things that we love. And singing was kind of a metaphor. It was, you know, having a song in your heart or, you know, dance like no one's watching. And again, another metaphor, you know, and they're all metaphors for your love and your passion and the things that you really care about. So I find that when I'm alone, the things that I care about come out the most. I'm so excited to do them because that fear of judgment, I think a lot of us live with, you know, and I, I equated it to being in a China shop and putting all the things you care about, you know, on the table for the bulls to trample. You don't want to do that. And as you grow up, you learn not to do that. The idea though, and the reason why I wrote this piece was that around my kids, I try to sing more. I might not sing it like operatic or like some real version of singing, but I sing kind of silly songs and funny songs and I change their names in it and stuff like that. So that they get an idea and they'll never know that I don't like to sing in front of people. They just see me as singing and hopefully one day the two of them can do it. I think I think Lucas is on the way, man. My son is, as I said before, he has autism. He, a lot of those things, a lot of those social you know, restrictions that we placed on ourselves, he doesn't have. But if he does, I don't want him to. I want him to see what I can do. But I definitely want my daughter to see that that you go out there and you show people what you're good at, you show people what you love. Uh, and even if they judge you, even if they say terrible things, you know what, you blow them off, you keep going and you move forward and you do what you love. So I try to do what I love. And that was the point on Wednesday. So hopefully you guys got that out of that and hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. I am suffering a little bit through this. So that's pretty awesome of me, right? I'm, I'm doing, <laughs> doing pretty good. I'm sitting here giving you guys the rundown. I'm still like, ugh. I don't... Uh, I don't have that red lobster thing going on, but I, oh, I said the name of it, but I still have uh, a bit of those allergies kicking me in the head. So um, I don't know, man, do me, do me a solid, go to highshopomdad.com and pick up a t-shirt because um, you feel bad for me because I don't feel well. How's that? Or go there and pick one up because they're awesome. T-shirts, mugs, towels, we got it all out there. There's going to be more stuff on the way. Hopefully you pick it out uh, and you enjoy it. And hopefully you'll be back here next week on highpotomdad.com with another edition of this podcast. Uh, More blogs on the way, Monday, Wednesday. Lots of good stuff planned. It's been a very good week. More good stuff coming forward. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, pot.